You know, the wise men, they, they went a long way to seek after and worship the king. They, they put out some effort. They put some, some passion, some, some effort into seeking after the Lord and finding the king and worshiping him. There were Not everybody did that, obviously. We looked at the different responses different people had. Herod wanted to kill him. We'll see more about him in a minute. The Jewish leaders, they just did nothing. They just kind of said, yeah, he's going to be born over in Bethlehem or whatever, but didn't, didn't go find out or anything. The people of Jerusalem, they were kind of freaked out. They were disturbed, it said. And, but the Magi, these wise men, they, at great expense, at great effort, they went to seek after him and find him. The rest of chapter 2, what we're going to look at today now, is speaking about Joseph and Mary, and, and uh, primarily Joseph, but really kind of this idea about raising Jesus. Can you imagine that? Raising Jesus. I think it's probably the other way around, though, right? I think Jesus was raising them, even though he was just a baby, you know, one, two years old at this point in time, raising us. Jesus got to raise me. I know that. There's no question about that. I'm 50, uh, you know, something. But, I, but Jesus still needs to raise me. I'm still growing up. I'm still learning and growing. And when you stop learning and growing, what happens? You start sliding backwards and just, you know, lots of compromise, lots of things can happen. One thing I learned from Bill Kinneman is that you got to keep learning. You got to keep listening. You got to keep growing no matter how long you've been a believer. It never stops. Joseph, now, you know, he, he uh, we're going to look primarily at him. You don't, Mary's not really mentioned here at all, uh, you know, as far as uh, anything that she did, but. The trials of life and the dangers of life. They were facing attacks. But Joseph, we see there, that he's following God's leading no matter where it's going to lead. Joseph, this guy, he's a quiet leader. He's not real boisterous. He's not real loud. As a matter of fact, I looked and I couldn't find any direct quotation from Joseph anywhere. I may be wrong. I, this was like the middle of the night last night. I was looking, you know. Much better than watching TV, you know, look in your Bible and try to find stuff. The closest thing was that at the end of verse uh, chapter 1, look there at the last few words there in chapter 1, it says, and he gave him the name Jesus. That's the closest thing we have to a direct quotation from a, this guy Joseph. And he gave him the name Jesus. That's kind of a good connection, I think. But this guy Joseph, he was quiet, but he was faithful he was obedient, and he followed God as the leader of his home. He followed God as the leader of his home. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, where we left off. It said, when they had gone, that is the, the, uh, the wise men, the magi, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The wise men... They couldn't stay there forever. It would have been nice to hang out with those guys maybe for a while, but, you know, it was time for them to leave, and then Joseph and Mary are on their own and, and just trying to follow God, just trying to be the people who they are, and they've been given this responsibility, right, to take care of this child. No one else had gotten this responsibility. God, for whatever reason, chose these two, and we've already been looking at their circumstances. 
But it says that, that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, we already saw this, right? You remember? In chapter 1, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and, and kind of encouraged him, yeah, you can still keep going. That was the first time. And then, and then three more times in this chapter, we're going to see God speaks to him in a dream, sometimes with the angel of the Lord there. But the, the point is that the Lord was communicating to Joseph, and it was a, a continual basis. It wasn't just one time and that's it. He's done. God is communicating to Joseph. It's not so important what Joseph says. It's really in life is what is important what God says. It's not important what I say. It's not important what you say. It's what God says is important. And here we see God speaking again and again and again. This is the second time here. He spoke in a dream. I talked when, in the first time. I talked about the, the many, many different means that God uses to speak and to communicate to people, and he still wants to communicate to you and me today. You know, I, I think about this, and, and some people think about that, and they go, well, that's kind of mystical. They use this word mystical, meaning you have this thing where you're going to you know, hear from God and all that stuff, and, and then when you use the word mystical, it kind of puts it out of reach. There's some mystics, right? And there's these three or four guys, maybe, then they, all they do is live in caves, and that's mystical. But, but I want to say it's realistical, that God wants to speak in reality today to you and me. It's not mystical. It's not out there somewhere. It's reality of, of having a relationship with God. Does He want to speak to you and me today? Yes, He does. And I believe He still does today. So what did He say to Joseph? What did He say to Joseph? <clears throat> Maybe He wants to speak to you and me. But what does He say to Joseph? Look there. In that verse that we just read, what's the first thing that he tells Joseph? Get up. We can say that. Why don't you all get up real fast for a second, just to add a little something here, okay? Get up. Okay, sit back down. Get up. I want to make a point with that because, you know, reading these, these verses here, what stuck out to me the most is this, get up. Get up. When you go home today, you're going to be hearing that in your ears. Get up. Get out! No, don't say that. Get, get out of here! Oh, this guy's nuts. Get up! Get up, get me, get up and get moving. So many times, and I did a little search in my you know, Bible program, find these words, get up, and, and you know, there's all kinds of instances where God tells people to get up and do different things. Get up and get moving. Speaking about action here, so many times. Let me just uh, 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 remind you of a few. Moses, the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh. And that's when he told him to go and say to Pharaoh, you know, the Lord says, let my people go. He said, you have to get up and go do what I ask you to do, and this is what I want you to do, go and confront Pharaoh. Wasn't a pleasant thing. Wasn't an easy thing, but he told him to get up and do it. Gideon, you remember Gideon, he was fighting a battle and he was way outnumbered, but the, the, during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against that camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. He could have said, you know, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to get up and do that. We are outnumbered, but God said, get up and go, and I'm going to, I'm going to do something. Get up. What happens if you don't get up? You miss out. You know, we're, we're just sometimes too comfortable, too apathetic, maybe like those Jewish 
the people, uh, the Jewish leaders there in, in uh, the, f- the first part of the chapter. Elijah. Elijah was having like a breakdown. I really believe that he was having a, a, like a breakdown. Read it in 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, I go there often. You know, me and him get along real well. But it says he, he laid down under the tree and he fell asleep and all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread and a jar of water and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Get up. Get up and eat in this case. Get up in all kinds of different things. Jesus said to those that he healed over and over, get up, right? Maybe he's saying that to you today. Get up, you got to, not right now, but get up and do something. He's got something in mind for you. Paul was told, get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. He didn't even know what he was supposed to do until he, was, until he would get up and go. And at that time, he was blinded. He couldn't even see. But God said, get up and go into the city. He had to to fulfill what God told him to do. He had to get help from other people to kind of lead him by the hand to get to the city. See, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always clear. It wasn't always, you know, you could see the road ahead. Peter was told, get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them. Later on, Peter was in jail and the angel appeared to him, woke him up. And he was, you know, in chains, and, and he was told to quick, get up. And then the chains fell off his wrist when he got up, and then he was set free and was able to go out of the prison. Think about this verse in Proverbs. It says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? I like that word, sluggard. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. When will you get up? And this isn't just about sleep, but sometimes it is about sleep. Sometimes we like to sleep too much. Get up. Get up and have a time with the Lord. Maybe get up 15 minutes earlier. Get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. Get up and eat. Get up and take something in from the Lord. If you want to hear from God, you've got to listen, right? You've got to have time to listen. I think that's why you're here. You didn't come here to just get donuts. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. I can't afford a donut. Maybe it's, it's hard times. Economy's hard. I know where I can get something to eat this week. And that's not really that funny because it's serious, but... I think, you know, if you're trying to hide from God or, uh, you know, this isn't really the place you'd come, right? You don't come to church when you're trying to hide from God. You come because you want to hear from God. You want to kind of seek after God, and it's part of, of, of doing that. So God's saying, get up maybe, over and over. Over 50 times I found it saying in the Bible, get up, get up. Where did he want Joseph to get up and and go? And what did he want Joseph to do? He says, get up and and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. So this is where I want you to go. Egypt, you know, was like 100 miles away. And for us, that's really nothing. It's like two and a half hours in a car, right? Is that right? Uh, Two hours in a car. Depends on how fast you drive. 
But for, for back then, 100 miles, man, that, that's a long journey. Go to Egypt. And then there's other passages in the Old Testament that says, you know, don't rely on Egypt. Don't, don't you know, depend on Egypt to survive. Don't go down to Egypt. Sometimes people went down to Egypt when they weren't supposed to go down to Egypt, and they got themselves into trouble, right? Guys like Abraham and, and that. And, uh, but, but the Lord told Joseph to get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. I want you to go there. Interestingly enough, though, there were about uh, a million Jews living in Egypt at that time. So when there weren't any Jews there, but it was, it was not in the um, jurisdiction of this guy Herod, who we're going to see plays a, a part there, as we already read. He says, I want you to go down to Egypt. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go to Egypt. I like, you know, living here in Bethlehem. This is a nice, you know, I got work here, and it's a nice place, small, get to know people. But the Lord said, I want you to get up, and, and I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to go now because there's danger. He says, I, Herod is going to search for the child to kill him, and, and there's some danger here. I want you to get out of harm's way. This Herod, he was ruthless. We already looked at him. He killed his favorite wife. He killed his, some of his sons. He killed his mother-in-law. No comment on that. But this guy, he was insane. He was disturbed. And he didn't want to worship like he had told the Magi. He wanted to kill this child. So Joseph now, again, we don't, we're not hearing much about Mary here, but Joseph... He's been given a directive, a responsibility to take care of the child, take care of the child and the mother, right, and the wife, and I, I want you to make this move. There's, a, there's something about a responsibility here that I, as I read about, a, a husband, a father's responsibility to, to be watching out and doing what God says, and how the, how the husband has this responsibility, and, and a parent, really, it's a parent's responsibility, but I think the, the, the scripture in a marriage gives the, the, the heavier accountability to the husband. We'll see what he does in a second. But someone said this, that from, inference, from infancy, the threat of death hung over our Lord, and it is apparent that he was born to die, but only at the appointed time. The threat of death hung over him from even from just being a baby there, but it wasn't his time. You remember later on he would say, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come, but when it did come, he was willing to give his life for you and for me. So <clears throat> the, the word from God to Joseph, number one, is get up. Number two, get the child and, and go to Egypt. And number three is this. He says, stay there until I tell you. Stay there until I tell you. Stay. Get up and go and then stay. There's a time to get up and go and there's a time to stay, right? And, and he says, I want you to stay there. And that's not always so easy, is it? Don't move. Some of, us, some of us are in the habit of like moving all the time. We never stop. We like the part when God says go, but we don't like the part when God says stay. Stay there. I know it's difficult. I know you don't like it there. I know you don't like that job. I know you don't like that you know, relationship, I know, but, but you're called to stay, to stay where, stay where you are until you get further direction. 
Some of us, you know, we, we get to the place God wants us and we, we're, we're bored or we're, you know, we want something more and we start to make up our own direction. And, and, and God says, listen, stay there until you hear from me, until you get further word, right? Until you get further word. If you don't know God's telling you to move, then God's telling you to stay. He wants you to stay where you are until you get further direction. Look at verse 14. So he got up. God had spoken to him very, very clearly. He got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt. He got up and did exactly what God told him to do. He didn't wait around. He got up during the night. He, he, he went immediately. Maybe he, you know, they didn't have a lot of stuff to pack. I don't know. Maybe they left it all there. It doesn't really say that we, we saw they were living in the house at that point in time. They didn't look around the house and say, you know, I can't really leave. I got to get all this stuff packed up. And, and uh, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of attached to that picture there on the wall and, and you know, this stuff here. You think about, um, makes me think in the book of Genesis, you know, Lot and his wife. Right? Remember the story? They were called to leave because danger was about to happen. And, and they said, you got to leave and you got to leave now. Right? And so they got up finally after, you know, the angel is kind of like almost forcing them to leave. But it says as they were leaving, what happened? What happened to Lot's wife? She turned back. She looked back and, and you, know, she turned, you know, she was turned into a pillar of salt. Joseph, you know, he got the word from God. You know what? You got you to do something here. You got to move. You got to get up and you got to go. And he didn't wait around. He didn't pray for seven signs, sometimes like we do. And then God gives us seven signs and we pray for seven more. Gideon kind of had some issues with, with praying for the signs. There's like three different, you know, times or so that he wanted signs. And God was patient with him for a while. But finally, you know, he got up and did what God asked him to do. Joseph didn't need any of that. He says, okay, let's go. Don't hear any words coming out of his mouth. He got up, he took the child during the night, he left for Egypt, no hesitation. Verse 15, and, and it says where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. He was called to go, get up, go, and stay there. And that's exactly what he did. It, it doesn't get any simpler than that, folks, does it? To do what God asks us to do, just to be simple obedience, quiet obedience, you know, not, uh, you know, being, you know, dragged, kicking and screaming to do what God asks us to do. Joseph, we don't hear a lot about him, but that he was obedient, this guy. He took care. He did what God wanted him to do. He took care of his family. He, he was following after God. It says he got there, and, and, and in, in his obedience that the Scripture was fulfilled. One of Matthew's hallmarks is this fulfilling of Scripture that, that uh, out of Egypt I called my son, and, and it was like the, you know, the, the nation of Israel being called out of Egypt to go back to the promised land. Jesus would also be called out of Egypt to go back to the promised land. Verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned 
from the Magi, Herod, this guy was insane. Just to be sure to try to get him, he was going to kill all the children there. But you know what? His plan was foiled, and, and, and all those who fight against the Lord, eventually their plans will be stopped and foiled. In Psalm 2, it says that the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Say, they say, let us break their chains and throw off their fetters. But the one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them, and then He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Whoever would seek to fight against the Lord eventually will be defeated. There's no question. But this guy was vicious. You know, the, the, the bloodshed that was, that was there. It, but it wasn't time for Jesus yet, but, but there, were, you know, there, were, there were babies that were killed, and this guy was insane. It was a small number. Bethlehem was a small village and area at that time, but it was still a tragic thing. But like those you know, against him at the end, yeah, you, you remember the story you know, of, of, of those that you know, were trying to, to, uh, to get to Jesus and kill him. Same kind of thing, this, this, you know, crucify him, kill him, find him. Same kind of thing happening. Verse 17, and then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Rachel, who was buried nearby, Weeping from the grave because of the, 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 the terrible tragedy of what's happening. I can't help but think about, you know, the history of the people of Israel. How over and over they have been persecuted. Over and over they have been, you know, uh, just think about the Holocaust and, 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 you know, the millions and millions of, of Jews that were killed. Why? For no reason other than that they were Jewish. That they were followers of the Lord God, the pain and the suffering, those who want to destroy them, it's no different today. Those that publicly say our whole goal and mission in life is to annihilate the people of Israel, get them off the map. You know, it's not really about land, you know. It's about getting rid of the Israelites. It's really about that. It was never about the land before. It's not about the land now. It's about getting rid of them. They get offered land, and, and it's not good enough. They want to get rid of the Jews. After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Look at that in verse 19. Herod died, and, and again, now this is numbered three. The third time we read in this very short section about God still speaking to Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. God is still speaking to him along the way. Uh, he wouldn't have heard this until he heard the word before. God doesn't give us seven steps in a row. He gives us just one, right? He gave them the first one, go ahead and take Mary as your wife. He gave, us the, he gave them the second one, get up and take the child and go to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. 
He was faithful. He was obedient in those things. And now God speaks to him again. God was still speaking. He spoke to him in Nazareth. He spoke to him in Bethlehem. He spoke to him in Egypt as well. God can speak no matter where we are, right? North Kingstown, Rhode Island, Warwick. Where do you live? Where do you live? What? Where do you live? Some of you don't live. Where do you live? Say it out loud. There you go. Get up. I mean, no, don't get up. Wherever you live, God can speak to you. Wherever you are, God can speak to you. He spoke to him, Joseph, here in, in all these different places. Joseph, that we don't know much about. You know, you don't have to be famous for God to speak to you. I think we get that impression, though. You know, God only speaks to the big famous evangelist or the famous this or that or whatever. Joseph, he was, kind of, he was well known, but he was really quiet, and, and we don't know a lot about him. He wasn't that well known. But God was speaking to him. God wants to speak to you and to me. Look at the message. What does he say? Verse 20, and he said, this is what he said to him. Get up. Oh, no, not again. Get up again and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are, are dead. He says again, God speaks to him again, get up. That tells me that, you know, we need to be reminded of stuff, right? Peter says, you know, i got to keep reminding you of stuff while I'm still here because, you know, we just forget or whatever happens. We need to keep being reminded. Get up. That's why you're going to, you know, you're going to go out of here saying, well, what did he say today? I don't know, something about get up. <laughs> get up, he says, and, and again, said the same thing. Take the child and his mother. Get up and take responsibility. Get up and do what you're supposed to do. And this time it was to go back to the land of Israel, the land as it's called today. Go back to the land. It's safe, but it's still dangerous. Get up again, he says. Same thing. Look at verse 21. So, so he said, I kind of like Egypt now. I used to like Bethlehem, but now I like Egypt, so I think I'll just stay here for a while. Is that what it says? I just want to see if you're really looking down. You might be have some comic book in your lap, and you're looking down. Okay. Pasta. He got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. That's exactly what God told him to do. He got up again. He got up again. He took the child and his mother again, and this time he went to the land of Israel. It was a scary thing. Look at verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. And in this, we look at, it appears that he wanted to go back to Bethlehem. I think he liked Bethlehem. You know, my son was born there, stepson, whatever you want to call him, he was born there, we liked it there. But he's, he was fearful. And again, we see kind of a human side of Joseph as well, that he, he had fears. He was afraid. He was afraid to go there. 
So did God say, just face up to your fears? Just go anyways? No, God even worked in his fears to direct him somewhere else. See, God can work in lots of different ways, even through fear, even through your fears. It was safe, but it was still dangerous. God had other plans than Bethlehem. I think he wanted to go to Bethlehem. Joseph did, but God had other plans. He says, no, Bethlehem's not the place. And even out of those difficult circumstances, God could lead him, even with the fears, even with this, uh, you know, crazy, this guy Archelaus, he was, he was uh, uh, one of Herod the Great's sons. And, and after Herod died, they kind of broke the area up instead of just being all under one king. It was broken up in different areas and up in, in the Galilee area where, where Nazareth is was ruled by a different son of Herod who wasn't quite as brutal. But he was warned in a dream. This is number four. God was still communicating and speaking to him. He was warned in a dream, and he withdrew to the district of Galilee. They had lived there before, hadn't they? They were, they were there before, before the baby was born, right? They had been in Nazareth before. But the truth about it is that Nazareth was not the most well-thought-of place. Bethlehem had a little better reputation. It's the city of David, you know, where David was from. Nazareth, on the other hand, not so nice. And this prophecy, you know, about him being called a Nazarene, this was not really a compliment. There isn't, there, there isn't actually a scripture that says exactly these words, but the, the, I, th- I believe the concept behind it is he's going to be called, a, a, you know, a, a term of reproach because Nazareth was a, a place of, you know, not a very nice place. And we certainly know that there are scriptures that say about this, you know, child Jesus, you know, that he was scorned by men, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Isaiah 53 is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Philip, in John chapter 1, he says, Nazareth? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth, out of that place from there? Nazareth? No, I don't think so. Maybe like moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem was like, you know, a little bit of a step up. But God says, you know, you're not going back to Bethlehem, you're going to go to Nazareth. And you're going to raise this child. He's going to be a, a despised and rejected one. But, but this is what, this is who he's going to be. And this is part of the cross. So they go back to Nazareth. And Jesus lived there about 30 years. This is where he was brought up, right? And this begins now between chapter 2 and chapter 3, where we'll stop before we take communion. This begins a kind of a silent period. Silent years, right? Jesus was still, you know, between, you know, uh, two years old or somewhere around in there. But between chapter 2 and 3, there's only one account. There's only one account of, of the life of Jesus, right? You know what it is, right? What is it? In the, in the temple courts and in Jerusalem, you know, in, in uh, Luke chapter 2, 
They went up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It says they, would, they were in the habit of doing that. They, were, they would go up there. Jesus was how old? 12 years old, and he stayed there. You know, the family, they left, and, and Jesus stayed behind when he was 12 without his parents knowing it, and he was found talking to the teachers in the temple courts. That's all we know. Joseph was still alive at that point in time. We know that because Mary says, your father and I have been worried to death about you, you know, that kind of thing. Your father and I, I can hear those kind of words. But that's all we know. So for, for almost 30 years, around 30 years, this quiet life, this ordinary life, the hardworking years in Nazareth, nothing, you know, that we know about. And maybe you feel like your life is that, like that, 30 years, and, and what am I accomplishing? What have I gotten done? Who knows about me? You know, what has happened in all these years? What do we know about Jesus, Joseph, Mary during those years? We don't know much, do we? We don't, know, we, we don't really know anything except that one thing. It appears, we can piece a few things to, to, together, is that, you know, Joseph and Mary went and, and they, you know, consummated their relationship and, and had other, you know, children. No such thing as a perpetual virginity of, Jesus, of, of Mary. It's not in the Bible. They had other children. Brother, he had brothers and sisters, right? So that's about all we know, though. They were, they were just doing what God called them to do in, the, in Nazareth, being faithful in the small things, being faithful in the quiet years, so, you know, just working hard and doing you know, what, what you've been given to do. Stay there. Just do what you need to do. Not very exciting, though, is it? Sometimes life isn't very exciting. I, I can't help but, but think about, you know, Jericho when they, when they came and, and, and God said, I'm going to give you Jericho, and they were called to go around the wall, right? They marched around the wall, and then God said, I want you to go march around the wall again. They marched around the wall again. I want you to go march around the wall again, again, again. Finally, then the last time, seven times. This is getting, like, boring. This is monotonous going around. I'm seeing the same people. They're looking down laughing at us, those crazy people down there going around again and again. But when God's time for the wall to fall, it, it fell. Someone said this, it's, it's a thing never to be forgotten that in the everyday duties of life, we make or mar a destiny and we win or lose a crown. That's where it is in the, the everyday things, the things that are, you know, that happen every day, how we live. Are we faithful? Do we follow God on a daily basis, even when it's not exciting? Joseph, this guy, he was responsive to the Lord. He, he did what God called him to do. He, he did it without hesitation. There was this quiet obedience about him. He took care of his family. He was a leader in the home, and, and he, you know, he would pack up and do what God asked him to do. Living in Nazareth now, just where God wanted him to be. Where does God want you? What does God want for you? Just to stay where you are? That's cool. That's good. Or maybe he's saying to you, get up and there's, there's something I really want you to do. I don't know. 
God's going to speak to you. You know, he's not going to give me the list of, well, this is what I'm telling, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. People think that, you know, can you tell me? You know, no, I can't. I've got to listen for myself. You listen for yourself. I'll listen for myself and we'll, you know, we can compare notes and, you know, kind of we can help each other out. And, you know, if God tells you to do something, you know, if you think God's telling you to do something that really he isn't, well, maybe he'll give us all wisdom and we'll know. Because we can be misled, right? A lot of people have been misled through history, saying, God told me to do this, and God never told anybody to do that. Well, I just want to be different. I want to be exciting. I want my life exciting. Well, no, maybe it's not supposed to be that way. We're going to have communion together. Why are we going to have communion together? Because the Word of God tells us, God tells us, have communion together. Remember the cross. That's where it all is, right? That's where it all happens. We come and we're, we're, we're equal. We're all one at the cross. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and it is powerful. It's living and active, and, and it can speak into our hearts, and it can challenge us and, and confront us and, and also encourage and, and comfort Lord God, you know each one of our hearts and you know why we're here today. You know what it is that we're looking for. You know the struggles and you know the, the challenges that each one of us faces. You, you also know the victories and the joys that each one of us has. Lord, you, you know us inside and out better than any other. And so we, again, we come and say, God, here I am. Like we uh, sang in that song this morning, here I am humbled by your majesty. Here I am, and we, we come and we, and we humble ourselves before you and say, Lord, whatever you want, not what I want, like Jesus prayed, not what I want, but what you want. That's what's important. Help us, Lord, in this life as we look forward to eternal life, as we look forward to that new heaven and new earth. But we're here now, and we need your help now, Lord, day by day hour by hour, minute by minute, week by week, year by year. God, we, we, we just want you to, to, to be our God, and we want to be your people as we belong to you. A sense of belonging to the Creator, to, to you, our Father. We come now to the cross, and we, we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you what you did for us which gave us the hope, the hope that only comes through the cross. We stop and we prepare our hearts again to remember what you did, what you gave, all because you loved us. Father, I also want to pray this morning for any that are still on the outside looking in, wondering what, what it's all about, that today, Lord, today they would simply open their hearts and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I want you and I need you. I'm lost. I need you to find the way. And I open up my heart and my life to you. Please come in. Please be Lord, be King. In Jesus' name we pray.